0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Making Work Fun podcast with Maria and Natasha, two working professionals turned life coaches.
1: I'm Maria and I have worked in economic consulting for more than 14 years.
0: And I'm Natasha. I have over a decade of work experience in human resources.
1: Through our 25 plus years of combined corporate experience, we have learned a lot about work.
0: And through our work as life coaches, we have learned how to make work fun.
1: Whether you work for someone else, run your own business, or do anything else that you call your work, this podcast will teach you how to make your work fun too.
0: Without giving into the productivity hustle.
1: So let's dive right in.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, so this week we're going to talk a little bit about how you can make work fun by cutting yourself a little bit, or for some of us, essentially a lot of slack in, in the work environment and the pressure that we put on ourselves to perform at work. Yes. Hi,
1: everyone. Thanks for joining again. Yeah. I. Um... <laughs> Um, I really love this topic because I think it's like so important. We talked last time about like, what is, what's fun. We talked about what's work, but like, how do we combine the two and how do you make something fun? I think this is such a, such a big piece of it really, really coming in the way for a lot of us in making our work and our, honestly, our lives fun. It's just like when you're not allowing yourself any slack everything can seem miserable. Um, so to get us started, I believe Natasha has another dictionary definition I do. For us.
0: Okay. So we were just <laughs> chatting about this right before we started recording. And so when we look up the word slack, especially if we're thinking about like a rope, like um, it's not taut, right? It's like the loose part of a rope. So um, instead of it being tightly wound, You know, you have a little bit more mobility, a bit more flexibility, a little bit more um, like give in the way that the rope is kind of (laughs) set up. And then there's also a definition for the word um, slack, which is essentially like decreasing or reducing intensity, quantity, or speed, which I thought that was such an interesting way of thinking about slack, especially when we're talking about in the notion of a work environment, right? Like decreasing the intensity Like lowering the stakes, a lot of us go into our work environment and we think everything is such high stakes all the time. But in reality, most of us aren't ER doctors performing like brain or heart surgery. So maybe the situations that we work in aren't as high stakes or as high intensity as they necessarily need to be. And so when we kind of like can function by decreasing or lowering, you know, the speed, the quantity of work the adrenaline rush of all the intensity, we give ourselves a little bit more breathing room, a little bit more looseness to show up in our work environment and make it more fun.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I love that definition. And it's just so, it's so sort of typical of, I can speak to like some work environments that I've functioned in, but I'm sure it's true for like a lot of Corporate work environments where everything, like I'm I'm an economist and I work in consulting, and everything is like everyone acts as if we are ER doctors and saving lives at all times. (laughs) Like all the emails have urgent in the subject, and everything is like ASAP, and we need this in the next three minutes if possible. Um, And I work a lot with lawyers who are equally intense about (laughs) their work, and even if not even more so. but yeah, so like our work environments for a lot of us are sort of structured that way and it kind of seems normal to be mm-hmm. acting as if everything is always super urgent. You get an email on Saturday evening at 11 p.m. and you're like, I need to attend to this right away because <laughs> something might be falling apart and it's like a spreadsheet. You're like, okay, this is <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I think our brains love that adrenaline hit of it just being super urgent. And like, I think our brains love to dramatize things too. Like we get like dopamine hits from all of this, right? So, and especially if that's the culture, it's like, it is so easy to just buy in on it and like keep that hamster wheel going as opposed to intentionally trying to like lower the intensity, the high stakes of everything and really kind of use your prefrontal cortex the like, you know, the more purposeful, thoughtful part of your brain to actually make logical sound decisions instead of just reactive decisions, responding to the stimuli around you.
1: A hundred percent. I mean, I like, I, I'm, I've been guilty of this myself for a very long time too. It is, you're right. Like it is addictive, which is why A lot of people keep themselves in that situation. It is super addictive to like keep getting those alerts and it kind of makes you think i must be really important you know there's yeah. urgent alerts coming on my phone all the time like i remember when i first started working in it i like would feel so cool I would be like yeah. people need me urgently and saturday at 11 p.m. i must be extremely important <laughs> like that was sort totally, of the, i was right? getting so much validation from that um and even if and even when at the same time it was making me completely miserable and I was like so burnt out. But at the same time, like there is this sort of reward to it, which keeps keeps us stuck in that loop and keeps us going.
0: Yeah. And so this is making me think of like, it's like part of the work here has to be validating yourself and like recognizing your own importance separate from the work that you do separate from the notifications that people send you or the urgency of how quickly people want you to respond. It's like, you really do need to start finding your own validation first and recognizing and being really grounded and rooted in who you are so that you're not constantly looking for that external validation and using kind of, as one of our teachers likes to call it, like an external validation vending machine, right? We're we're just getting dopamine hits from all of those text messages or Slack messages or emails coming in at all hours of the day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. Um, It's like, When you, that's why I think when you're in that environment, it can be so difficult to just let yourself rest too, or like let yourself take a break or take a vacation because you're like, sure, you're getting the the rest and the relaxation that you really, really need. But at the same time, your brain is kind of going through withdrawal. You're like looking at, I used to like look at my phone so often on vacation, like, does anyone need me secretly? I'll be like, if someone emails me right now, it'll feel so good. Um, It can become, yeah, it can become like a really, really unpleasant situation. If like you said, this is your only or your main source of validation, because when you stop it, you're like, okay, but so then what do I do for a long time. I even had this narrative about myself. I'm like, I don't even know who I am outside of like this job. If yeah, someone asks yeah. me about myself outside of the job, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to say. It's <laughs> like, this so is normal. Like
0: one of the first questions we ask people is like, what do you do? And we use that to like categorize them in our brains, yes. and, like, define, <laughs> you know, start to put them into a box of like what we would expect of them or what we think that they should be like. But like what you were saying before, I think brings up a really interesting point is that you actually can get super comfortable in the anxiety inducing high pressure, um, really high stakes scenarios that you create in the work environment. Even if they are like false senses of urgency, it's like you get in that cycle and it like almost starts to feel good. It's kind of like a bad good for you are just like, <laughs> creating it and it's like a really good escape mechanism or buffering. And so to actually pause and step away from the phone or the laptop in order to live your life on vacation or your time off or whatever, you actually have to be able to like step into some discomfort and feel the like discomfort of the openness and the spaciousness of like not responding to emails or not checking your phone or not, yes. you know, <laughs> doing work stuff on your time off. Totally.
1: For sure. Because then otherwise you're like keeping yourself in this sort of high stakes, high stress situation at all times. And we know this is just objectively terrible for your body and for your brain to be like in a super high adrenaline, high stress situation at all times. And you make, not only is the work culture around you, like really pretending like everything is very high stakes, but you make everything you do very high stakes too right like then that's where we get into one of the other things I know we wanted to talk about which is like that's where we get into these super high standards we have about ourselves and perfectionism and like all or nothing thinking of like I need to do this perfectly or just it's trash <laughs> like there's nothing in between perfection and trash um like that type of we we make the stakes of every single task even if the task is like respond to an email <laughs> yeah
0: make- because we have so much oh. of our own self validation riding on it. Right. So like our, if our self-worth has now been conflated with what we do and the validation that we're getting from other people, it's like, of course, when you do any task at work, you're all like your innate, perfectionist tendencies or whatever you want to call it. Maybe they're not innate, but like they've been developed over time come out because you're just like, well, no, this is how I get my validation. So I need to get a good job. I need to be like recognized. I need to get this like project move ahead so I can feel good about myself.
1: Yeah. And If you do make a mistake, which spoiler alert, like every single person has made a mistake at work, then it can be such, I remember just sort of being in bed for like three days one time because we made a mistake on a case and I just like could not deal with it. I was just so, so miserable. And I thought it was honestly the end of the world. Like people around me just couldn't understand They're Like what happened? Did someone die? I'm like, nope, there was like a (laughs) data set mistake. I'm like, this doesn't seem quite as dramatic, but it did to me. I'm like, you don't understand. This is like my reputation. I made it so dramatic. <laughs> like My reputation and everything I've worked for. And I thought, of course, like when you get to that all oh, or nothing thinking, I literally had the thought all of my hard work for the past like six years at this point, it was six years, has just been invalidated by this like one mistake. I literally thought that. I'm like, what was the point of these six years if now people are only going to remember this one thing I did? Of course, they didn't only remember this one thing I did. I don't think anyone else remembers it. <laughs> <laughs> except yeah. for me at this point, but like it can just become so 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 dramatic in your head. Um, and like it's really it has caused me so much suffering. so I, I have a lot of i'm I'm laughing about it now, but it <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't mean it wasn't extremely painful when it was happening.
0: Totally. And I think this is like in my HR experience, I saw this a lot where I think people sometimes give themselves more grace to like make mistakes and be a human in their personal life or in their relationships with their partner or their friends or whatever. But then they expect as soon as they transition into a work environment that now they must be like perfect robots who perform, you know, excellently high quality work all the time and never make a mistake and never need to learn and grow because they already know how to do everything, which is like so unrealistic. Like that's not how any of us show up in a work environment ever. Like maybe we become experts, but we're still always learning and growing. And part of learning and growing is making mistakes. And so it's like recognizing that you bring your humanness with you to the work environment and like you're willingness to allow that part to be there and to allow mistakes and imperfectness to be there just makes it so much less stressful and it makes it easier to show up and to like even own the mistakes when they happen because they're not as devastating.
1: Right. Yeah, for sure. And if you think about it, I mean, it's so, of course, it's so backwards and so ironic. Like we think what makes us a good employee is never learning anything new because we're gonna if you start learning something new by definition you're not good at it the first time you do it like there's just no way but we're like no I can't afford to not be good at something so then okay then I'm just gonna do the same three things for the rest of my life like what's (laughs) then that's what's gonna make me a great employee (laughs) you know like doing only these three things it's sort of very backwards but our brains do that it's they're like nope you can't possibly afford to make a mistake so don't risk learning anything
0: <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point. I think this is also interesting, too, that you're like, oh, the whole purpose is to be a good employee and to be a good employee is to never make mistakes. But you like when we think about it from that angle, it's like we totally take away our own authority and our own like decision making and power in the situation where it's like, no, but part of this like job and work relationship is for me to like learn a little bit too. And for me to develop my skills, even if it doesn't mean, even if it means that I don't stay an employee here forever (laughs) and
1: like,
0: I'm not a good employee in this organization for the next, you know, 20 years of my career, but I still like my own learning has been centered and my own like skill development and my own progress is also part of the conversation too.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, yeah, the, I guess the uh, ironic thing is like, even if your goal is to be a good employee, doesn't have to be, of course, it doesn't have to be like forever, but like for the mm. next year, what makes you a better employee is pushing yourself and learning and growing. Like it's that those two aren't in conflict. We kind of yes. sometimes get into this thinking of like, they're in conflict. They need, they need to be safe and they need to do the things they do well or else I'm terrible at my job.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not of, one or the other. Right. In, instead of black and white, it's in, embracing the grayness of it all and how there is like complexity and different possibilities. It doesn't just have to be one thing and not the other ever. For
1: sure. Um, and the other thing that comes to mind when we're talking about sort of allowing ourselves to be human in relationships and in our personal life, but not at work um, the one thing that comes to mind too is, you know, we also don't allow ourselves to express any emotions at work, which can be, of mm-hmm. course, very, very taxing. Like you, of course, you don't stop being human when you step into the office and being a human means you have so many emotions, <laughs> even just throughout the same day, but we're sort of trying to suppress them all because it's it's like quote unquote unprofessional or we're worried about how we're going to be perceived. Um, it's, there's so many, I know we're, we need to do a whole other episode about all of these topics, you know, from the perspective of, you know, race and gender, et cetera. But just at the, at a very high level in this episode, it's, it's just so toxic and unhelpful to try to suppress all of your emotions when you show up to work. So no, no wonder, you know, it's, that's exhausting and taxing and stressful. <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. And I think like, we're not talking about when you're having an emotion, allowing that emotional experience. I'm not saying like, you know, going to a town hall meeting and then starting to cry or like being in a fit of rage and like punching a wall. (laughs) Like that's not allowing, you know, sadness or anger that's really reacting or responding to them, but really just like allowing yourself to be a human who has like a multitude of different emotional experiences because you don't just like check off your personal life. As soon as you cross the doors into your work environment or like turn on your laptop, your personal life is still going on. So there might actually be really heavy things that you're dealing with and allowing yourself the space to hold them at work and carry them with you. And like if you feel sad, it's like, like respecting that sadness and letting it be there doesn't mean that you're like throwing a temper tantrum or crying or whatever, but just letting the realness of like your current experience be part of how you show up at work.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good clarification because I, a lot of us, I think are not familiar with what it means to be allowing emotions. We associate allowing emotions with reacting to emotions like you said Mm -hmm. so we think that if we feel anger this means like throwing things and punching things Mm -hmm. and if we feel sadness this means like sobbing uncontrollably like so i mean i think there is a level to which we should destigmatize even if someone reacts that's also very human reacting to an emotion from time to time completely human and i think there shouldn't be as much of a stigma to to that as the workplace as well but we're not talking about like doing that twenty four (laughs) seven when you Experience emotions at work. We're talking about sort of allowing them and being being with yourself and not trying to sort of suppress them when they come up. Like I remember for a long time, I was trying to literally suppress every emotion while I was in the office. Like I'm feeling Mm -hmm. sad, nope, I have to distract myself. That's that's unacceptable. Feeling angry, nope, (laughs) have to suppress that. And you also get into this sort of. performative cheerfulness which is very unhelpful too like we don't need to be extremely cheerful at all times in the office too um and I know that's easier said than done and especially if you're like a woman a person of color like there's a lot more expected when it comes to performative cheerfulness I think um it's a whole other conversation in itself again but it's just sometimes just even allowing yourself to not be like smiling all day whenever someone talks to us. That's also okay. Like you don't have to do that.
0: And I think it like opens up the doors for connection with other people too. Right. So I think that performative cheerfulness sometimes blocks us from really getting to know people on a human level and getting to like recognize that, Hey, we're all humans having human emotions, dealing with personal lives outside of the office and like holding space for for all of us to, you know, have heavy things that happen or have hard things that happen sometimes and recognizing the priorities in those situations too. Right. And like when you are more willing to allow for the emotional experiences that you're currently feeling to be part of it, you almost can like, even get help when you need it in the work environment, right? It's like you can, your teammates can support you. You can support teammates. You can actually like work together and make your experience, I think, a little bit more supportive and a bit more enjoyable rather than like an isolating pressure, anxiety inducing thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, hopefully you have a work environment that does support that, um, and that's, that's you know, not always the case, and there are real institutional barriers to, like, expressing <laughs> um, emotion or, like, not being that performatively cheerful, but you're right, like, in my career, some of the best friendships that i fostered at work and some of the best, sort of, um, relationships and moments I've had were in the times when I let myself be human and expressed, um, or or even, like, not, not necessarily expressed emotion, but, like, shared, how I was feeling with someone or shared, like, I didn't, I didn't force myself to be cheerful when I didn't feel like being cheerful.
0: Yeah. And if it's like, maybe not possible in your work environment for whatever reason to like express it to other people, it's like even just giving yourself the space to express Mm -hmm. it to yourself. right? Right. And then you get to hold compassion and love and understanding for yourself in that scenario. Even if no one else has any idea, even if maybe there's like still that element of performative cheerfulness happening externally, it's like you're still meeting yourself and holding yourself with some gentleness and some kindness and compassion for what it is that you're going through, whatever that may be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Exactly. Like even we're not denying that some workplaces are just not going to be conducive to, to Mm -hmm. you expressing your feelings, but that doesn't mean you still can't be there for yourself with your feelings.
0: And you can, like, you can still kind of learn to have your own back regardless of the situation that you're in. And that can be so empowering And really, really helpful in kind of just like, yeah, lowering the stakes, dealing with like perfectionism, dealing with a lot of like anxiety and stress that sometimes comes up with when we put all of this like pressure on ourselves in a work environment. Um, Yeah, I always think that compassion is kind of one of the best ways that we can give ourselves some slack.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it can be so difficult if you're not used to giving yourself compassion, it can be so hard but it's something that you can cultivate and practice and it we uh, i think first step is just acknowledging that it doesn't come easily because i i used to be so honestly like i used to be so annoyed when i would see like those instagram posts about give yourself compassion like but how? <laughs> you know, yeah. that sounds great on paper, but I just don't know how to do that. Um, and then, you know, that's where I discovered coaching and I discovered, you know, how you you build that up. It's a skill, you have the tools to do it, and it's it's just not something that comes easily. But I agree with you, it's one of the most important skills.
0: Yeah, I always love to think about like the scenario where what if like a pet or a child or a loved one or friend was in that scenario? Like, would I be talking to them in the exact same way that I'm talking to myself? And chances are probably not. You would, most of us offer so much more empathy and compassion to other people than we do to ourselves. So like learning how to cultivate self-compassion is really about treating yourself like you would a dear friend or a dear loved one in your life, or even your pet, you give them so much slack, you give them understanding, you give them space to be a human, and you just kind of like meet them in a warm hug, and you like meet them with love, and you're not like judging them for being imperfect.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think the way circling back to the emotion, the expressing and allowing emotions part of the conversation, I think what that means when it comes to when you're having some difficult or, um, some emotions that you're not equipped to, you know, or you're, you don't think are appropriate for the workplace, what that could look like is sort of just being there for not, not pressuring yourselves to change them right away. I think what that's what we do wh- with ourselves, but we don't do with, like you said, a child or a friend or a pet, like when someone is upset, we don't go to them and be like, snap out of it we're <laughs> like just move on we're like oh you know it's get over okay. it wasn't we'll we'll that out. way yeah <laughs> but with ourselves often we're like nope snap out of this <laughs> like yeah. you need to move on um so just like I think that's sort of a, a really good place to start practicing compassion is when you're in that activated state and when you're feeling upset or whatever else is coming up for you just be like you know that's normal and that's that's fine <laughs> that yes. seems fine right now yeah. I think this is um this is a good place to to wrap this up. So bottom line give yourself some or a lot of slack, (laughs) lower down the intensity, lower down the speed, and just let yourself be human, I think. (laughs) We sort of end up every episode with that conclusion, but it's a good conclusion. Just let yourself be human in whatever context.
0: (laughs) Totally, right? Like your humanness doesn't just like And as soon as you cross the pathway into the work environment or as soon as you open up your computer, it's not one like being a human. ends. You're just a human all the time. So giving yourself that space just makes it so much easier. And I think makes it a little bit more fun.
1: A hundred percent. All right. Well, thank you everyone so much for joining us and tune in again next week for our next conversation. Hey everyone, it's Maria. I am a burnout coach for professional women. And I work with high achieving perfectionists who want to heal burnout so that they can take a step back and enjoy their lives without sacrificing their success. To work with me one-on-one, you can go to my website, which is restovergrind.com and book a free consult call. You can also follow me on Instagram at rest underscore over underscore grind, or on LinkedIn under rest over grind LLC.
0: Hey everyone, Natasha here. I'm a money mindset coach. I work with women who want to shift their beliefs around money and wealth so they can finally leave the drama behind and focus on actually doing the work they love to do. I work with two different types of clients, employees who want to make more money at work or entrepreneurs who want to earn more in their business. And I teach people how to love the process of earning and creating more because it really is possible for money to be easy and fun. So let me show you how. You can find me on my website at natashatakesti.com or on Instagram at natashatakesti. We'll see you there.